0: Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Welcome back to Paris History, Anne Hemingway. Today, today, we are talking about the north side of Ile Saint Louis. It's a little island in the center of Paris. It's so beautiful. I love taking pictures there, but Claudine's going to give us all the history about it.
1: It is. Ile Saint Louis really is a beautiful little, like just, you know, Paris is made up of so many villages. When you think of, you know, Montmartre, where you are, or Saint Germain, where I am, you know, you have the Marais, you have all these places, and each one of these places has like its own identity in Paris, and Île Saint Louis, of course, is definitely one of those. Um, it is the eastern end um, of uh, the very island of Île Saint Louis. When you go there, um, we're going to kind of talk about the eastern end and go up the north side of the island because there's so much history on that island. We have to break this up, um, but the very eastern end of it is a little square. It's called the Square Barry. It was created in 1938. 1938, sorry, and it was named for. The the animal sculpture, um, Antoine-Louis Barry, um, it was once the location of the Celestine Convent, dating back to 1254. Whoa. And this was once the home where the tombs of some of the most famous people um, in France and the monarchy once laid to rest before they went up to the uh, Basilique Saint-Denis.
0: No way. They put them on the island instead.
1: Yeah. So between the island and all of, uh, over to the right bank was this huge convent. And so they, you know, now we all know that those tombs of the kings and queens are a Saint-Denis. Most of them are empty, which we should do a whole nother episode about the Basilique Saint-Denis because it's fascinating. Uh, but Antoine Barry was a 19th century sculptor. sculptor. He started um, working actually as a goldsmith for Émilie um, uh, Fonconner. He one day asked um, the designer if he could design a soup tureen with a deer on it. And so when he decided to do this, he went to the Jardin des Plantes, which is just actually if you're standing there at the end of the island and you look over to the left bank, you pretty much look right towards the Jardin des Plantes, which is where the zoo is. And it is the oldest zoo in all of Europe. And it was based originally on the animals that belonged to the king.
0: I didn't know it's the oldest zoo in Europe. It's yeah, old, I've never really gone to it. It seems kind of sad nowadays. It's
1: pretty. It's actually really cool. It's not like what you think of like American zoos, where it's like so all this concrete and fake, you know, fake, you know, stones that the so the leopards could climb up. It. It is. It's much more of. A, it's like, you know, the animal cages and stuff. And like, there's... I've never seen so many real pink flamingos in my life. I was like, wow, they really are pink.
0: <laughs> okay, so it's
1: not... like No, it's not like an American zoo at all. It's actually pretty, pretty cool. And it's not very big. Yeah. So, um, but in 1831, in this salon, he um, astonished everybody when they saw this soup tureen and these other pieces he had done because it was so lifelike um, to these animals. So he and... My favorite uh, painter that we now try to get into every episode, and I'm doing it without even thinking about it. <laughs> but he and Eugene Delacroix would go to the Jardin des Plantes and go to the zoo and spend hours and hours sketching and watching these animals move, especially the cats. So you know, they both uh, you know, Barry sculpted the the uh, big cats, and Delacroix painted the lions and the tigers, and you know. Elephants, oh my. But they would sit there and watch them, and that is why we, they are so good, because they would go and see these actual, like, you know, the muscles and the cat and the way they moved and all of this stuff. Um, in that park, there is a monument to him. Um, it was created by Laurent Magistre, and it was created after his death in 1894 by his followers and was placed long before the square was even created. So the sculpture was the sculpture was there before there was a square. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, so he, he placed it at the end, kind of towards the end. When you walk by on the Pont Sully, you see it right there. And it has on top of it, it is has, has co- topped with copies of some of his famous pieces. Thesis Fighting the Centaur on um, bronze on top. On the lower pedestal, you have La Force and Le Horde. And then you have a lion and snake on the other part. The top, very top of it was melted down in 1942 by the Vichy government. And in 2011, it was finally replaced. So it took a long time. Very long time. But it's really, really cool. Um, It's also really cool. You could find some of his pieces in the Louvre and also usually in the Delacroix Museum because the two of them work so closely together. Okay. But right out there, you have the Pont Sully, and the Pont Sully that um, basically connects the end of the uh, very end of the island um, to the north and south. So it's almost like two bridges into one, because in the middle is uh, is the land, just like at the Pont Neuf. It was named for Maximilian, uh, Duke that was the Duke de Sully. He was a minister and very good friend of Henry the Fourth. That is where you have the whole entire back wing of the Louvre is named after him. And Sully was um, the friend that Henry IV was on his way to go see on May 14, 1610, when he was killed on his way by a religious zealot that jumped onto his carriage and stabbed him. It's all connected. Yeah. And Rabbi Yak, who killed him when they decided to sentence him to death, his death was rather gory. They called it's regicide when you are one that kills the the king. Um, And they took a horse and tied it to each of his limbs. So four horses and had the horses go. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll let you figure out how that worked out. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible. But when you cross over the um, Pont Sully, there is on the very corner and it is the Quai d'Anjou. And on the corner is a very, very large piece of property. And it has recently been in the news again. Um, the Hotel Lambert in it, number one. And Louis Laveau is the one who designed all this. A lot of the stuff on the island is going to be done by Louis Laveau and was all mostly done at the time of Louis Fourteenth. So the island itself was um much smaller it's actually made up of two islands that in the islands used to have nothing on it except for it was just like a, a, a just a grazing area for cows and Saint Louis Louis the Ninth would go there to pray. Hmm. So That's why it's called Ile Saint-Louis. And then there's also the church there that's dedicated to Saint-Louis that's on the island as well. Um, But when they first uh, built this house, at the very end, it was uh, first done in 1640. Inside the interior were done by three different artists, Charles Lebrun, Le Lassure, and Francois Perrier. All of these guys um, are huge painters at the time you'll find their paintings in the Louvre Charles Lebron of course is the one who did most of the design and paintings in the uh, at Versailles and also Bolivie Comte um there was a small room a small alcove and it was called the cabinet de l'amour cabinet of love Mm -hmm. it had a canopy bed in there and the lady of the house at that time welcomed her visitors there what? Yeah, and what? not those kind of visitors. But <laughs> Voltaire used the house later um, with his lover, the Marquise de Châtelet. Um, she also um, used it. She would also perform very um, popular salons at the time. Later, uh, Claude and Louis-Marie Dupin purchased it in 1732 to 1739. They are. He was the great-grandfather of Georges Sand. Oh. And in 1843, uh, Prince adam Jerry Czechoslovakia. <laughs> a Polish uh, aristocrat ended up coming and buying it. He held Polish cultural and political events there. And you would see everybody from Chopin to George Sand to Delacroix and Balzac there in 1974. Five. It was sold to the Gita Rothschild and his wife uh, marie helene de Rothschild, and in 2007 it was sold to the brother of the Emir de Qatar for 111 million dollars. Wait, 111 million? Oh my god! Yeah, but that's chump change here in a few minutes. His plans to renovate um it dis- it upset Paris so much because he basically was going to add in like you know, heat ducts and an elevator and all of these things. And it was like, this is this very historic piece of property in Paris. You can't do that. It ended up going through like a seven year uh, lawsuit where finally um, they settled and decided that um, Paris, the city of Paris said, okay, you could do it, but you have to have one of our architects with you every single step of the way in the design of this. Whoa. Yeah. So they ended up starting to work on it. But in 2013, a fire broke out on the roof and it destroyed um, a lot of the very historic parts of it, like the Eustache lasur paintings. Um, some of the frescoes by Charles LeBron were damaged. Um, luckily, a few of the things that they took out of there, you can now see at the Carnivalet. Wow. Um, I've also seen other pieces of it at the Musée des Arts Décoratifs. So luckily, some of these things like also in the Place des Vosges, a lot of those interiors that were, you know, obviously we haven't saved everything. But some of those things, they were pretty smart to, to give these interiors to different um, museums. So it's kind of cool to get to see, you know, how they lived. Do we know what started the fire? No, it just said it started in the roof, and there's so you could see some pictures online of the fire and just where it like gutted out and was that whole top um upper floor of it.
0: oh my God, after all that fighting, and then the place burns down Did yeah it?
1: yeah, but just recently it was sold again, and it was sold to Xavier Neal, who basically owns the French um internet company and telephone company free oh wow. And it was sold for $226 million. What? <laughs> That's crazy. And apparently he wants to use it. I read recently, too, he has a very huge art collection, of course, because one would with that kind of money. Yeah. And uh, he wants to use it some, for something to do with his um, foundation. So maybe, just possibly, maybe there's a way we could see inside.
0: Yeah, he's not going to live in it. He's going to use it as like a museum. Uh, well,
1: I mean, the literally the thing is so huge. I mean, when you stand there at the end of the island and you're looking down um the Rue ile Saint-Louis, it basically takes up the whole entire back corner of it. Yeah, and it was, used, to, used to be even larger. Oh, wow. That's- yeah, and we have we know somebody that lives about uh that literally lives the second building down from it. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. you can rent that place place. yeah but only one bathroom but (laughs) so at number three right next door there is another one called the Hotel Laveau and this is because he basically Louis Laveau basically designed everything on the island and had it built um it was uh right next door and these there was two three buildings after um the first one that they were actually all part of the original so some of these it actually got smaller because some of the buildings broke off from it. Oh, wow. Which is crazy. So at number three, um, it was it's home to author Frédéric Viteau, who holds chair number 15 at the Comédie Française, that he is one of the immortals. What so mean? here's, look, I just talked about somebody that's actually alive. At number five, which is the Hotel Marigny, um, in 1640, it was um, purchased and built for the family that created the Marley uh, water fountain. So they were the ones that designed a way to get water to come to the Chateau de Marly, so it could actually operate the fountains because, you know, that's also what they had to do at Versailles. Um, Number seven was also part originally of the Hotel Lambert and now is the Bakery Guild of Paris.
0: Man, I want to listen to this one and just walk around the island. Exactly,
1: and that's exactly what you could do. So the next one at number nine um, that has a really dark green, uh, cool door. It was um, where in the 19th century lithographical painter Honoré Daumier lived there from 1846 to 1863. He started um, with political cartoons. Um, much of his work, though, sadly, was destroyed in World War II. Oh. At number 11, which was just, it's literally the doors are next to each other, um, is the home to Joffrey de Duchamp, who was a sculptor who worked with Viollet Le Duc on Notre Dame and Saint-Chapelle. He did the center trameau of the Last Judgment. He also did um, work on the Arc de Triomphe and on the Madeleine. He also redid one of my favorite things that was part of Notre Dame, the rooster, that once sat on the very top of it and he also was the one who uh created and designed the reliquary uh, that holds the crown of thorns
0: A reliquary i love that
1: and (laughs) the statues that were once on the roof that now you can see at the architectural museum at the trocadero Um, and i urge everybody to go there when they come because once they go back on the roof you'll never see them this close again
0: Yes, we got to go in there. I'm there it, every day. And I never go in there.
1: I house. know you should definitely go in there. Nobody ever goes there. So it's always super quiet. Um, and number 15, Laveau also built this one in 1645. Um, Paul Cezanne lived there for a short period of time and Baudelaire lived there for four months in 1843. Baudelaire, um, that we'll talk about a few times, um, lived all over the island because he'd wear out his welcome very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Number 17 um, on the island is probably the one place in Paris that I am dying to get into more than any place else, except for maybe, you know, to Elysee Palace and and to Uh hang out with my lover, Macron. (laughs) Um, So at number 17 is the Hotel Zon. It was in sixteen fifty seven it was uh, created for Charles chamois um, and it was it was uh, done by he was an architect and was done for the banker Charles Gruen. Um in sixteen eighty two was bought by the Duc de Lazon and in sixteen eighty five the Marquise de Richelieu and and the niece of uh, Mazarin, the Hortense Mazarin, she ended up moving in there with the nephew of uh, Richelieu Charles Laporte. They were married. Um, she lived there. They. She was 14 years younger than he was. He was very jealous and very controlling. The home was filled with the many statues that had belonged to both Richelieu and Mazarin. We're talking about these two very wealthy, powerful cardinals that served with Louis the Thirteenth and Louis XIV. Um, and he basically had the Palais Royal built to hold all of his statues um one night uh charles laporte um because he was kind of crazy he went into a rage and started with a you know a mallet or something started attacking all of the statues and knocking all of the um the boy statues naughty bits off <laughs> some a lot of the statues are now in the louvre you could find them which uh in the denon wing um in what was once the stables and you, when you see these statues you it does not take very much to see where they were um pieced back together <laughs> So it's really interesting. But Baudelaire also lived here for two years in 1843 to 1845. He was also um, when he was really into marijuana at the time and he would get really paranoid. And when you see this building, it's a gorgeous building, um, you know, from the outside, but inside it's even more amazing. And he would cover the windows with paper because he was completely paranoid that people are trying to see inside. What? <laughs> and he, yeah, he was kind of crazy. Um It is, uh there's uh, beautiful rooms in there that are also painted by LeBron and Jean-Baptiste Monnier. It's all in the Louis Fourteenth style, and every inch of it pretty much is covered. But if you look outside, and this is the thing everybody knows is when they walk by, it has the most amazing drain spouts that are done in bronze um, with dolphins. Oh, wow. So it's a really, really cool spot. Um, And I'm dying. They open it like maybe twice a year, very randomly. They put it on the Internet saying we've got 10 tickets. We're open tomorrow. Um, And so you have to get you like a friend of ours actually just looked one day and it was like the next day and she was able to go. Was it cool? Yeah, it's pretty cool inside. So, and it's not huge, and but um, I think just because you can't go in is why I want to go in. So fast.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: um, at number nineteen um, on the uh, it's on the on the edge of the Rue Potier. Um, it is sixteen forty two. This building was really beautiful building. It's now a kindergarten. Um, and then when you keep going down the street, at number thirty three is the home was the home of Marie Marion Laroy. De Gamberville, he was a poet and the first member of the Académie Française to hold a seat. Um, at 29 um, is where William Byrd owned the Three Mountain Press in 1922. The three mountains that he refers to are mont jean Mont-Parnasse, and Mont-Mart. Um, in 1924, um, Byrd is the one who printed Hemingway's first book, In Our Time.
0: No way.
1: So he printed his first printing was 170 copies and it was printed right there on the island. Um, in 1921, at number 37, John Dos Paso was an author and uh, moved here. He was very good friends also with Hemingway. So good old Ernest was hanging out a lot of time there on the Ile Saint Louis and number 39 is a little theater. The theater is Saint Louis, and it's still it is still up and running now after COVID. It actually does little, um, plays and stuff in there. It's really, really cute. Um, the kind of the main dissecting street that goes sideways, the Quai de Bourbon, um, and the Rue de Bon, Rue de Dupont, um, it's named for the two bridges that are on either side of it, the Pont Marie on the North side, connecting to the Hotel de Ville and the Pont de la Tournelle to the South, um, along. So from there on to the, um, to the eastern end, or the western end of the island, is the Quai Bourbon. Um, at number 11 was a former home of Philippe de Champigny in 1643. He lived there. He was a Belgian artist, and he belonged, He made his way to Rome and then to Paris. He um, had worked with Marie de Médici. Um, she asked him to paint the frescoes for the Palais de Luxembourg, and he also became the official painter of Richelieu, and there's this amazing painting of Richelieu in his big red cardinal gown that hangs in the Louvre. He also did some paintings of um, Louis the Thirteenth in there. It was built in 1637 for the um, Intendant of Finance under Louis XIII, um, and then it was later uh, given to and was where... Um, the sister of Jean-Baptiste Colbert ended up living. But one of the cool things um, on the island as well is the Hotel de Chasseau. It was built in 1642 by Nicolas de Chasseau. He was an advisor to Louis Thirteenth, and it stayed in their family until 1768. Um, he actually participated in the storming of the Tuileries on June 20th, 1792. But in 1899 to 1913, for 14 years, one of our favorites, Camille Claudel, That is where she lived. That is the last place she lived before her jackass of a brother, Paul Claudel, took her and had her locked up into the asylum. Oh, one sure. So that is where she was when she went, decided to destroy everything. And, you know, and when one day I was walking by and the door, the door was open and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I looked in and there's a statue in the middle of the courtyard, but it is not a Camille Claudel one. But because uh, if it was, I would have been really excited.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would have been exciting. I wonder if yeah. you- know that who she was you know well there's
1: a big plaque on the door and there was a that movie that came out um i don't know 15 or so years ago there's two movies about her life they're both in french um the first one kind of picks up the first part of her life and then the second one picks up where that one left off basically her going it was basically her time after she left the island and went to the asylum um it is a really um it's a really well done but i had to stop it and it took me three different viewings to watch all of it because it was just so heart wrenching. Um, but when that movie came out, um, because there's a huge plaque on it, they, I guess the neighbors all said it just kind of was getting overrun by people (laughs) coming to see where she once lived. Um, which is just always sad. Um, I mean, she is, she's, her story is just so heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. Um, Right, on the corner of uh, Rue Le Recatier. It was formerly known as the Rue de la Femme Saint-Tête, the uh, street of the woman without a head. Um, And what's really funny is on the corner of it, there is a statue that is basically just you know, the lower part of your body. There's no torso. Um, But it was, sadly, it's not a woman without her head. It was actually that. It's supposed to be St. Nicholas. (laughs) Uh Um, It was placed there by Nicolas de who who is the one that the house that Camille lived in was named after. During um, the revolution, he was beheaded. um, And which is just kind of ironic because of the street name. Um, At number six on that same street is where Baudelaire set up his mistress Jean Duval, who we did an episode about. um, And that is where she was when Manet painted a painting of her. Um, then there's also the Hotel de Chasseau d'Aquival, which is where sculptor Auguste Preau lived in the 19th century. He did the statue of Clemence Isar, who was in the Luxembourg, who is, when we talked about the 20 illustrious women, she's the woman that was not a real woman. Ah, yeah. She's the one that was, you know, basically they just saw this image and adapted her to be part of, you know, dedicated to this poetry contest. Um, There's a few, uh, there is a few other um, smaller pieces that he did that are in the Louvre and in the Corps Napoleon that are also on the side of the building. I'm definitely going to walk around the island with this. Yeah, you definitely have to. And we also did a live video walk about this so you could even watch it. Or join the next one. Join the next one. Um, but there are a couple other ones. There's a the Hotel de Nevers, number 25, that was formerly the Hotel Henri-Trois, built in the mid-1600s for the nephew of Cardinal Richelieu. So basically you have like three names that come up on the island. Richelieu, Louis Laveau, and Baudelaire. At <laughs> <laughs> um, number 31, author Charles-Louis Philippe um, lived there. And as well as Theophra, who was the uh, physician of Louis the Thirteenth, and he later opened Paris's very first pawn store.
0: Pawn store? What? Yeah,
1: yeah. Went from being a doctor to a <laughs>
0: pawn shop owner. <laughs> a
1: pawn shop owner. Um, at number forty three, when you kind of get down the end, Hotel de la Hotel de Tozon was built in sixteen fifty eight. It was done by Charles Toulzon for Charles Tozon, and it was de- it was given to Louis Laveau's sister, Anne. Um, there is a wood carved door that's really cool and there's a Masonic symbol on the facade of it that is easy to find. Um, and then at the end, at number forty five, um, Louis Laveau's younger brother, Francois Laveau, in the eighteenth century. Um, He lived there in 1659, but in the 18th century, they added reliefs on the side of Hercules attacking Mm -hmm. Nassau. Um, And then at the very end, you have the Place Louis-Aragon, who's named for the surrealist um, writer. That was born in 1897. After World War II, he returned to classic poetry writing, but they inaugurated this little place uh, on the 30th anniversary of his death in 1982. And it is one of the best little viewpoints to go. There's a little bench there. You could go there and just look back um, towards Hotel de Ville. You could look at Ile de la Cite. It's a lovely little spot. And when you look down towards the river, that's when, uh, there's a lamppost there, you know, it's, it's obviously tied to the end of the Island, but when it, when the city floods, that's the lamppost that you see in many pictures, just kind of floating, (laughs) but it is a lovely little Island. There's some great little restaurants. We'll share those with you next week. The ones to go to and the ones to avoid.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. There's some, I mean, it's a huge
1: tourist destination. It is. And also there's the ice cream Yeah, that too.
0: All right, guys. So, tune in next week to see the other side of the island. And don't forget to join Claudine's live tours every Sunday. Check out ClaudineHemingway.com for more on
1: that. Thank you for listening to Paris History avec A. Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.